right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to have on Kyle Zink, who is the CEO and co-founder of Punchlist. Kyle, welcome to the show. How's it going? Thank you so much. Uh, it's great. I have no complaints. Hey, that is awesome. I Any day where you don't have any complaints at the end is a day that you have won. I feel the same way about today as well. Well, all day, you probably spent most of your time working on Punchlist, and that's what we're talking about today, which is exciting. Can you tell the people that are listening who aren't familiar what Punchlist is? I would love to. Uh, very simply, Punchlist is an app that makes it easier for independent contractors and homeowners to complete successful remodels. So what does that mean? We built an app that makes it easy for both sides to communicate, make payments, and complete remodels. Uh, so that when they walk away, the project is a dream and the process was hopefully just a little bit better than it would have been otherwise. So let's dive into what it, what it would be otherwise. Let's say before this existed, this is one of these, this is one of these companies where it's an industry that like, I don't have too much knowledge in, which is super exciting. I get to learn, which is great. So, um, and so do the listeners. So can you kind of give me an idea on what right now, let's say Punchlist didn't exist. What, what is the process now, the process that you're improving upon? Yeah, absolutely. Right now, if uh, you choose to work with a contractor on a remodel or if a contractor finds a homeowner and wants to get started, uh, there's uh, a few tools that are available to them. One is uh, a paper pad and pencil. Uh, another would be a calculator, uh, usually now someone's phone that's in their pocket. Uh, and then uh, other than that, it's a disorganized collection of phone calls, text messages, emails, uh, in-person conversations. But what's missing there is suddenly we've got this really technologically savvy piece of, uh, uh, piece of uh, technology in our uh, pockets, our phone, and uh, we haven't really built an app that's uh, made it easier for the two sides to work together. And so when we set off to make punch list, we wanted to make something that uh, could improve that communication and to make mobile payments uh, applicable for these larger payments and these one-off uh, payments for, uh, for the remodel. That's awesome. I, I, like, I like that a lot. I'd love to walk through the experience of, let's say, the, uh, the person that wants the remodel. Um, let's say me. So let's say like, I, so I'm, I'm in my apartment right now. And I guess that's, uh, for, for, for those listening, you might think I have this big studio. And I hope I'm just in, in my bedroom recording the podcast. Um, but I'm in my apartment. And, and let's say I want to remodel, right? It, let's say I own it and I, and I want to do something how, I guess, walk me through the flow of remodeling, let's say like the kitchen. Um, if I wanted to do that, can you tell me how I would use Punchlist to do that? Yeah, well, first off, congrats on owning uh, your home. That's a big step, especially these days. Um, second, uh, congrats on finding a contractor. We know that's a hard process. Right now, Punchlist uh, is totally focused on the process and technology of completing the remodel. So you, the homeowner, would find the contractor. Uh, it could be through a friend and family. It could be one of those online marketplaces. We're agnostic. We just want to make sure that you're happy with finding that contractor. And then once you do, uh, getting started is actually really simple. So once you find the contractor, uh, you share the scope of details with that person and punch list. The scope is usually what's being done. So the remodel itself, what's the schedule, and then finally, what's the budget? 
those three things are critical to uh, working with Punchlist because it allows us, the company, to put it into our app and set it up in a payment schedule that's usually dictated on what's being done. Maybe in this case, it's demolition and then build and then polish or by time. You might want to set up payment every week or every other week based on when you get paid uh, at, at your job. So we then take all that information, we in and put it into the app, and then we reach back out to you, schedule a 15-minute phone call, and we go over the, the app itself and the project that's in the app. So it would be your project, all of your details, and, uh, and quite simply, um, uh, all of the, the necessary parts to complete the project. So then once everything looks good, you're excited, the contractor's excited, there's butterflies in your stomach the night before, everything feels great, then the contractor simply goes in and does the work. So he or she shows up the first day, pulls out their phone and takes a photo of the work. And this is where the magic of Punchlist starts. So as the contractor takes the photo of that very first day, maybe it's a demolition of cabinets, then he or she would send that to you, the homeowner. You would look at it, you would review it, you would approve it, and as you approve it, uh, the digital invoice is then um, create, put on the ledger and uh, tabulated so that once you reach a milestone, it could be, again, all the demolition in the project, or once you hit the two-week uh, time period, uh, that digital invoice creates a full invoice, and then with one tap of a button, you could pay the contractor sim more simply than ever. Uh, it's the magic of punch list so that you feel that you always get to see the work being done. The contractor knows that he or she's getting paid on time and there's never any questions or disagreements along the way. So this is extremely genius because I, so I worked in a different industry, but with a, with a situation where you got a service provider and a and person getting the services in the process of making sure these two parties are aligned on everything, especially when money is involved is, is it like that is the problem. And you're solving that for this industry. I, I'm kind of curious when you tell people this, this, this company, when you, when you, when you talk about it, do people think that like, Oh my God, what a big problem? Or do they kind of like be like, Oh, like that's like, that sounds nice, but like they don't actually know deep enough how big of a problem that you're solving. Because like I know that this is huge, but it may not be obvious to like anyone. So I'm curious, what are the responses you get when you tell people what you're doing, and um, and uh, and what's the response? I guess I'm curious. Yeah, the uh, the response is uh, it's excitement. First of all, people hear new technology and apply to an old industry that hasn't had a lot of technological change uh, for years. So there's a lot of excitement behind it. And then depending on if there's the, the homeowner or the contractor that we're talking to, uh, I get a few different responses. On the contractor side, it's, wait, you're helping me solve my biggest issues, which is getting paid faster and helping me get access to capital and making sure that I can communicate with the homeowner without any disagreements. That's a dream product for me. So on the contractor side, no brainer, slam dunk. They get it because they're in this every single day. On the homeowner side, we see a couple different reactions. If the homeowner's done a remodel before, then the homeowner suddenly says, oh, you know what? I remember when I didn't know what the status of my project or when we uh, were miscommunicating about the grout color size or what tile we had selected. Or even, wait, did I pay you for those allowances the last week? And wait, did my check arrive? Did you cash that check? 
So if they've done the remodel, all of those questions suddenly become instantly clear. Now, if they've never done a remodel, uh, a little bit of, uh, of relief comes over them because it's, I'm a little out of my depth. I know this is a huge expense for me. Outside of buying the home initially, this is probably the second or third largest expense in their entire life. And who doesn't want a tool in their pocket that's gonna help them with confidence and know that no matter what happens throughout the remodel, they're gonna have those details ready to go and they're gonna make the payment so that they know there's no mistakes along the way. And so that, that sense of relief and wave of excitement, uh, you can see it on people's faces or hear it in their voice. And it really, you know, that's what gets me excited to come to work every day. So I feel like this kind of technology can be applied to any uh, industry where there is a service provider and a person getting a service, a any of them. Um, this, this, what you're solving for, as I'm sure you know, is core for any exchange of services. Why did you decide to start in this specific industry versus like freelancing or painting? Like, I don't know, like why, why, why this, uh, this specific industry? This structure could have been applied to numerous different industries. The reason we started with home remodeling in particular is because uh, quite frankly, I had a, uh, a challenging remodel experience uh, and challenging, I'll say double, uh, double bold and underlined, to say the least, uh, in Southern California. I had purchased a home and set off to uh, remodel my kitchen and a couple other rooms. And uh, to be honest, had a frustrating experience with my contractor because of communication and payment. And as I took a step back, I asked myself a couple times, why did this happen? I'm a relatively organized person. I was really excited to take this on. I was ready for the challenge. And Months later, when the house should have been done, it was still half completed. And so I scratched my head and said, I'm going to go look online and I'm going to search the app store for an app that I could have used so that when I do face this again, it never happens again. And you know what? I couldn't find it. It didn't exist. And I think that's when companies and products are best born. When you look at it and you say, this thing didn't exist and I really want to solve this problem. So when I first set off to build Punchlist, I was building it not only for myself, but I was building it for other people that have this experience. Um, so after contacting my friend from high school, Andy Vela, uh, had talked through the problem with him, how there wasn't this solution, that's when Andy and I decided, all right, let's sit down and let's go build this thing. Nice. It, that's, uh, that's awesome. Uh, if you can you give me an idea of the timeline of when um when you when that happened when you decided to start building it and also where you're at now because i'm very curious about like the activities you spend your time on what a question that i love to ask is just like ceos in different in different parts of their company are working on different things when it's a pre-seed company seed a you obviously know this so i love to dive in on the specific point in time you're at now so when did you start this and where, where are you at now we started Punchlist in January of uh, 2019. So if anyone knows me personally, they know I love to work hard and work fast. I'm a pretty dedicated person. And when I have an idea that I'm passionate about, when I see a problem that needs to be solved, I attack it from all angles. So when I uh, approached Andy and we sat down at his dining room table in January and we outlined the problem, it was instantly, okay, how big, do the team, how big does the team need to be to build this product? How do we want to build it? What, uh, what uh, app stores do we want to be on? Uh, what's the underlying technology? Who are we solving it for? 
And then how much money do we need to go raise? And so in uh, January through May of 2019, we went and uh, raised uh, a round. We started interviewing employees for the company, uh, moved into a very small, cute little office in the financial district in San Francisco. And uh, by uh, mid-year of 2019, we had an alpha, an actual alpha that we could put in the hands of a contractor and a homeowner, which we actually did here in San Francisco. So we had a real customer using the technology, using the app on a, uh, uh, a rather sizable remodel. And that allowed us to uh, learn from the customer, uh, understand what the homeowner's needs, and discover what features and tools we needed to build to better improve that experience. So once the alpha was, uh, was done and in the hands of the customer, what happens next? Of course, you go to the beta phase. Uh, so after applying some polish to the app and making sure that it was up to the aesthetic uh, uh, that we wanted for our customers, of course, when you deal with people that are remodeling your home, uh, you want to make sure that your app uh, aesthetically is also pleasing. Um, so we spent uh, significant time making sure it was both um, beautiful, but also functional. And um, then after building the, uh, the beta and testing it further with customers, uh, we spent the remainder of 2019 with our heads down and making sure that the app would be ready to go for a full launch at the start of 2020. And by uh, January 20th of 2020, we were ready to launch and we launched the uh, company and the app at the Kitchen and Bath Show in Las Vegas, uh, where thousands of contractors were um, walking around looking for new technology, which was the perfect time to introduce Punchlist. And so uh, all of that happened in a little, uh, little less than a year, just about the year, the year timeframe, and I couldn't be happier. Uh, where we're at today, uh, great question. So we just launched. Uh, we are talking to uh, hundreds of contractors on the phone. Uh, in fact, most of my day is still spent talking to the customer because I believe it's really important that it's my job as CEO to know exactly what the customer wants, what their needs are, and how we can uh, further develop and improve the product. And, uh, and we're signing them up and getting them onboarded. So our team is focused on those things. How do we build? How do we improve? How do we iterate? And then how do we build new features in the future? Well, congrats on all the success so far. That's, uh, that's really exciting. And the fact that you move so quickly is a really good indicator of strength of team and strength of founder. I think that like quick execution is kind of everything. There's this quote from Sam Altman that's like, the CEO does, I don't know, the three standard things everyone talks about, like make sure there's money in the bank, sets the vision, hires a team. But the fourth one that no one ever talks about is set the execution bar. And that, it's, uh, I really like that because no one ever talks about it. But it's so yeah. true. It really is. And if you think about really great teams, right, whether it's a running team or um, a swimming team, it's always that first person who's in the front that sets the pace and that hopefully makes it a little bit easier for everyone uh, moving forward. I see that that's my job as, uh, as CEO. It's not just to um, talk to the customer. It's not just to build a great product. It's not just to fundraise. But, uh, but you're right. It's the, the job to uh, set the pace and make sure that we're all building towards the same goal. Uh, and for us, it's building a great product that both a homeowner and contractor want to use, find value in, and at the end of the day, um, makes their life just a little bit better. So we were talking before we started recording about 
like product market fit and catching up with uh, with with the product growth once you hit it. And you were telling me a little bit about your previous experience. I'm kind of curious, how do you think about it? product market fit? I mean, you just launched, so like, I don't know, you might have it, you might not, like, I mean, you can say if you do, but like, you, the job of the CEO pre-product market fit is very different post-product market fit. So I guess, do you think at all about that switch or is it just something that you're going to do once you have product market fit? I guess, uh, how, do you, how do you stay flexible as a CEO as the company changes stages? You know, to be honest, product market fit keeps me up at night because it's something that's so critical. And the ultimate question is, how do you know when you have it, right? That's the number one question every CEO, every lead, every manager, every individual at the company, every investor at all levels thinks about. And for me, I think about product market fit in terms of if a customer is using your product and suddenly you take it away from them, how do they respond? Do they come to your office? Do they bang on the door and they say, give me that product back? Or do they say, oh, okay, that." That sucks, but I'm gonna go back on the app store and find someone else. You want customers that will come to your office and bang down your door, they'll call into support and they'll rip you apart on Twitter because they loved your product so much that they can't live without it. And for me, that's the product market fit that I uh, set my goal to every single day. And it's the bar of success that I look for. It's not always easy to achieve and it's you won't always achieve it, but when you know you've hit it, you know, it's. I love the, how you explain it because um, there's there's this popular blog post that was posted I don't know a year or two ago by Raul Vora, who is the CEO of Superhuman, and he pretty much tried to like quantify or he probably successfully uh, created a test to like quantify product market fit. Like if you do X, Y, and Z in this app, you know, then you have product market fit. And for me, I'm like much more in like the kind of the camp of what you just said, which is like when you know, like you know, and if you and if and if you don't know, like like maybe you have some inklings, but, but um, yeah, as, as someone going through, through right now, through another company, it's like, when you know, you know, and if you don't think you have it, you probably, you, know, you probably don't. Yeah. And I'm, trust me, I love numbers. I love quantitative analysis. Um, I look at churn rates and uh, NPS and all the other, uh, all the other early indicators of do people love the product. But at the end of the day, there's nothing quite like qualitative feedback when you hear the emotion in someone's voice or the look in their eye or the tone in their email. Um, when they really respond in a certain way, and you know that you've hit the product market fit. That's when you really can say, I've built a special product. Absolutely. So in the short term, when, when you're looking, when you're in the process of finding product market fit, you mentioned that you were still talking to a lot of your customers. You, most of your time is spent doing that. We'd love to hear a little bit about your, I don't know if the word is customer acquisition strategy, but just like, obviously the, the boulder is not rolling itself. You're still as a team pushing it up. And that's like how it works in the beginning. So what levers are you pulling and how do you make sure your, your schedule is full of talking to contractors? I guess, I guess it is marketing channels. Like how do you get in front of the right people and get on their calendars or they get on your calendars? Don't get me wrong. We're still really early. And so most of my day is thinking about uh, exactly that. How do you acquire customers? How do you acquire them at scale? Are you acquiring the right customer? Cause that's very important to a customer acquisition strategy as well. Uh, you can open your door and let a, let a lot of people into your restaurant, but if they're not hungry, you're never going to make any money. And so for me, I'm constantly thinking about uh, how, do we, how do we acquire those people? How are they going to use the product? Will they like it? Uh, is it the right thing? So for my day, 
Um, I'm really focused on three things. I look at uh, one, am I talking to the customer uh, and hopefully customers every single day to learn something new about them, their lives, how they're using the product, how they're perceiving the company, or even just how their day is. Um, two, uh, are we acquiring customers at scale? Are we doing it affordably? Uh, what are the different channels that we're testing? Uh, famously at Square when I was there, we were testing 50 different marketing campaigns uh, in a single quarter, uh, only which about four we continued the next quarter because they drove 80 to 90% of all of our activations. Uh, we would have never gotten those four had we not tried the 50. And so while that's a high failure rate, you have to fail early and often in order to find out what's gonna work. And I constantly think about that at Punchlist and push our team to iterate, test, and iterate. And finally, number three uh, is, how do I improve the lives of my employees? So once I feel like we've got the customers down, the company is healthy, then it's how do we inspire the team? How do we make sure that this is the best place to work, not only in Silicon Valley, um, but in tech and the country? Uh, and then finally, how do we make sure that in six months, six years, and 60 years, people look back and they say, wow, Punchless was the place that really changed my life. That's awesome. That's a, it's very systematic mentally, which is extremely important when there's a billion things you can be thinking about as a, uh, as a CEO of an early stage company. That kind of brings me to another question um, that I don't think I've ever actually asked about on the show, but there's this, this, this um, idea of like a mental framework that is very popular. Like, like I, people, I feel like people talk about frameworks a lot and I never actually understood it, it like it was talked about a lot. I'm like, all right, I, I get it, but I don't, I don't have any. But I actually have found recently me catching myself being like, oh, is that like, I, I, I like put something through a certain lens. Is that a framework, et cetera? I'm just kind of curious. It sounds like what you just said was kind of like a framework for thinking about what matters. Do you have other frameworks as a CEO or do you have even thoughts on frameworks? I, I just kind of curious uh, just because this framework thing has been in my mind a lot recently. So I just wanted to like air it out, see if you have any thoughts on it. I've read a lot about frameworks and people's different approach to business and how they structure their day and how, whether you're a CEO or a lead or even again, an IC that comes in every single day at their desk, just trying to help move the ball forward. Uh, you know, for me, framework is, it's a, it's a complicated term. Uh, I think that it's one of those terms that whether you sit down and you define it on a piece of paper or in a document, or you come in every day and you've structured your day based on, uh, any number of how to, uh, how to actually move the ball forward, um, uh, I think it works. And so do I have one? I mean, maybe. I like to think of it as just how Kyle Zink comes into work every day and uh, wants to approach, uh, approach his day. Um, and, uh, you know, I think other people would say, yeah, you're pretty systematic. I think uh, as we talk, you'll see I, I like to structure things very cleanly and concretely. I think as a CEO, you have to, otherwise your day can get bogged down with a million of other, other different distractions and things from uh, how's your dog doing to what's the weather like to, uh, oh, did you respond to that contractor earlier today? Make sure that that person had a great customer experience. And so, yeah, I, I would say uh, a framework is, uh, it's a term that uh, it's complicated, but uh, I always look at it as, Whatever works for that person uh, is the best thing for them. 
Um, tell me a little bit more about like your framework. How do you think about it? Well, I don't know if this is the, I don't know if someone that thinks a lot about frameworks would say this is a framework, but like, this is what I define as a framework. So I, a lot of the, I, I like the VC world. I like would like to be an investor one day. One of the reasons I like I'm doing this podcast is because it's like, it's, I'm not playing investor, but I get to talk to early stage founders. You know, it's like, you know, I get to like, you know, it's kind of aligned with the future that I want to be in. And one thing that I've learned from specifically Elizabeth Yin, who is one of my favorite investors, is if you were entering a market that is a lot of competition, um, there are going to be a lot of VCs that pass on you. I always thought that it was because you can't build a better, pro like like the pro the best product is already built. But what actually what it actually it is is it's, it's doesn't matter if you have a 10x better product. The the CAC to capture the market that is already penetrated is going to be too high for you to reach uh, to reach critical mass. And like that is a almost like a whole thought process wrapped up in a framework. And I think I don't I maybe I don't know. Like that that that's how I think about a framework. Like someone says, Hey, I want to build a social app for X, I can immediately say, That sounds cool. But I don't think it can be venture scale because of the CAC is so the CAC will be so high. And like that, in my opinion, is like one framework. What do you is that a framework in your mind or what do you think that is? Yeah, I think anything that you're applying to your life and your day is a framework. And I think, I mean, one of the things that I love about Silicon Valley is it really pushes you to define um, what you want out of your day, out of your life, what success looks like. And so. Um, I applaud people for pushing the framework methodology. Um, I will say that you can't get caught up in too stringent of a definition and making sure that my framework looks exactly like your framework and um, did I check these boxes? Uh, again, to be honest, we're all different. And so if that's a framework that you uh, uh, apply to your business and how you look at, uh, and you look at other companies, then yeah, of course that's a framework. Um, mine's just going to be a little bit different and it doesn't mean that one's better than the other. It just means that we each have a, a different way of looking at things. Definitely. That's a totally agree with that, with that thought. Um, and then kind of speaking about like ways of thinking about things, you, the way that you think about things is, is probably obviously informed largely by your experience. You said you were at Square. Um, and you also, I believe mentioned you were at Google for a little bit. Um, is that, yeah. So how has your experience at both of those companies informed your time at Punchlist? Uh, are you taking what you've learned to Punchlist? Are you forgetting what you learned because it's big companies? Like how, 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 is, uh, how is it translated? I always look back on former companies with fond memories and I ask myself, what have I learned and how can I take the best parts of each company and apply it to the future uh, experience or the current experience if you're at the job today? Uh, at Google, of course, they obsessively think about that customer experience uh, and not being evil. Um, and so I really liked, as I took uh, a step back from Google, I was there uh, twice, uh, actually, bookended by uh, bookending Square. Um, for Google, it was always, is every single change that you're making improving the customer experience, improving their lives, and improving it through the product? If the answer is yes, then you've done your job. If the answer is no or I don't know, then go back to the drawing board or go back in and make that improvement. And that's really stuck with me for every job that I've had um, post Google or even in that second time at Google. And at Square, uh, Square is the ultimate example of 
uh, technology helping Main Street USA, helping the small business owner uh, run and start running, grow their business. And for me, coming from the Midwest and coming from a very small town uh, in Plymouth, Michigan, uh, I, I love Main Street USA. It really means something to me when I look at small businesses um, just trying to do their craft just a little bit better. It could be baking muffins, it could be the local newspaper, uh, it could be giving a haircut. And at Square, uh, Square was obsessively focused on allowing payments to enable that business owner to make money, but it was never about payments in terms of making sure that the business owner saw Square as the thing that allowed them to do their business. Why? Because they were the reason and the, the, um, the reason behind uh, their business. And so at Square, when we focused on marketing and telling the story, it was always, uh, what does this person do? Why do they do it? What's inspiring them? And by the way, Square is the way that they, they do that. And so at Punchlist, I view Punchlist, um, taking both of those ideas, I view Punchlist as enabling uh, the contractor that's small and independent to have the same tools as, uh, as the, the big guys and gals uh, here in Silicon Valley and around the world uh, and enabling them to do what they do best, which is knocking down walls, putting uh, wallpaper up, uh, installing new floorboards, which matters. It matters to them. It matters to the homeowner. Um, and at the end of the day, if I can help them get paid faster, if I can help them focus on their craft, and if they can go to bed a little bit more confident at night, what, like, what more do you want? And Google and Square prime you for this. And so I would say there's no better time in my life than right now to focus on that uh, at Punchlist. And I look back on both those experiences and all I have to say to those companies is thank you. Definitely a good combination of companies to get experience at before starting your own company. I, uh, and another good thing about those companies is like, they're really big. They probably help you dream a little bigger. They see what's po They help you see what's possible, what you're able to do with just an idea, like Larry and Serge, like, you know, just an idea and then look at it, look at it now. And Jack, yeah. or, you know, it all started as an idea. And it, it, I feel like it, does it help you dream bigger being at these companies? It does. And I'll take Square as an example. Uh, Square, so the mobile card reader, uh, was born because Jim McKelvey, one of Square's co-founders, couldn't accept uh, American Express payment uh, for some uh, glass uh, that he was blowing. It was a glass bowl. Someone came up and tried to buy it, and he said, I'm sorry, I don't accept credit cards, excuse me, and, um, and lost the sale. And so just like Punchlist, Square was born out of a need to solve a problem. And so Jack Dorsey of course, who is current CEO of Square and Jim, set off to dream big and said, it doesn't matter if you have a merchant account and it doesn't matter if you've got uh, all the money in the world to buy these five or $10,000 digital cash registers. We're gonna make something that is small, you can put in your pocket, you plug into your phone and boom, you've got a business in your pocket. Uh, Punchless is the same sort of thing. You've got to dream big but it's all rooted in reality. So it's putting the app on someone's phone and it's allowing them in a matter of seconds to uh, have the account created, get set up with the project and then get going. Uh, for me, technology is the ultimate uh, leveling and playing field for um, uh, the independent small business or the independent general contractor. Uh, and I'm attracted to those businesses 
because as I was saying before, they matter. They matter to people, they matter to the local economy, uh, and they matter when it comes time to buy groceries, send someone to school, or uh, make rent payments. So let's, uh, as we're nearing the, the, towards the end of the podcast, let's dream big for a second yes. and talk about, you know, what are your big dreams for Punchlist? 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, how, uh, how big could Punchlist get and what will it look like when it gets that big? Oh yeah. You're asking me to dream big. I like it. I like it. I, I do this when I come in, uh, almost every day, uh, 10, 20 years from now, what's Punchlist? Punchless is your home. Quite simply, anything that you touch on your home, it's tracked in Punchlist, it's handled in Punchlist. And uh, when you go to sell the property, pass the property down to your kids, your grandchildren, uh, when you enter it in public records, Punchlist is the source of all that information, whether photos, documentation, uh, cost breakdown, it's all there. To me, I find it crazy that you can go buy a home and when you want to install a new kitchen, you have no idea what's behind the walls. You might have permit information of a poorly drawn uh, uh, floor plan in some office in City Hall. Uh, to me, that's, that's crazy. Again, with these phones in our pockets that can do all of this amazing things, why don't we have this single source of truth for anything for the home? I believe and I know Punchless is gonna be that. And so as we think about what are the different steps that we're gonna to take to build that vision and to accomplish that vision, the first is help the homeowner and contractor do amazing work, help them grow their business or ensure that payment is made for those goods and services. Um, as, as we grow, make sure that we're, uh, we're the source of truth and that people can trust Punchlist. And ultimately when uh, when you touch a single thing on the home, whether it's the roof down to the foundation, uh, you're using punches to do it. For me, that's success. And that's something that I could walk away from in my retirement. Although I have no plans to, I could walk away from my retirement and say, all right, I've done something good here. Yeah, and in order to make that happen, to make the vision happen, you'll need some help. You'll need employees, you'll need customers, you'll need investors. And sometimes you'll even need some podcast listeners. So my last question for you of for the podcast is you got people listening that are into what you're doing. They might become a customer. Maybe they're a contractor, maybe a homeowner. And, and you know, they're interested and maybe they just want to help. They want to see how they can help you. So I'm giving you an open floor to make an ask of any, any listener on forward thinking founders. Is there something that you need help with that someone listening might be able to help out with? Let's see, let's see, uh, see how we can help. Thank you. I, I appreciate that opportunity. Uh, I'll give two answers because I'm uh, a selfish founder. Uh, number one is please uh, pay it forward. So be as constructive, be as helpful and selfless to others as you wish other community members were to you. Uh, I know I started out as a small time kid from the Midwest that came to Silicon Valley. And if it weren't for all the mentoring and help along the way, I'd never be here. And so I, my ask to you uh, for my number one ask is, Help others. Make sure that you're moving the ball along and you're adding uh, uh, improvements to their life. And not just people like you, but people from all walks of life and all uh, different diversity fields. Because without it, we as a community will never move along. So that's my number one. Uh, and then number two is, quite simply, if you're going to do a remodel, 
we would love to have you use Punchlist, whether it's kitchen, bath, room addition, whether you're a homeowner or a contractor, uh, all I'm asking is uh, try us out. I think you'll see that for the first time in this field, you're gonna have all the complete information, you'll feel confident, and we're gonna make things a little bit better along the way. And so uh, we would love to have you. Awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on um, into, into what you're doing, into your energy. And I think that, uh, I think that Punchlist could, could, could reach that vision and more. So again, appreciate you coming on. Best of luck in the future building out this company and keep it up. Thank you. I appreciate it. And of course, if you uh, actually do uh, buy the house and want to do that remodel, uh, Punchless is here waiting for you. Actually, before we end, uh, if someone is in that exact situation that you just mentioned, where, uh, where, what's the web, what's your email or what's your website URL or what's a way someone can get started if they're like, I need this right now? Come on over to punchlist.com and uh, review the site. If it looks like a product that might work for you, uh, simply input your email address and I promise you someone will get back as soon as possible. Uh, we'd love to have you use the product and uh, hopefully you'll find we add value to the, the project itself. Boom, all right, thanks for coming on. Thank you very much, have a great day.